Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 5 of Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be reading Revelation 19 verses 6 and 7. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Now we've been uh, so far spending a good amount of time discussing the wording that the Lord has used here that exalts his name, that praises his name as Alleluia, used four times in the first six verses, and, and it's the only four times in the whole Bible, greatly praising Yah, praising the Lord, because he has conquered the enemy, he has defeated Satan, he has won the victory, the Lord Jesus Christ is triumphant regarding his salvation program and the entire spiritual battle that has raged over the centuries, throughout time, during the course of the history of this world, has now come to an end. It is Judgment Day, and so it is a very fitting, a very um, good time to praise the Lord. And so the voice of the great multitude, God's people, the voice of many waters pointing to the Word of God itself, and the voice of mighty thunderings, that's, again, God's voice is, his voice is likened to thunder, are all in unison declaring, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now, I just want to look at this uh, last statement in verse 6 before we move on. The word omnipotent is a word that we understand. It, it, it defines God only. Only he is omnipotent. And it's actually uh, a Greek compound word. It's made up of two different Greek words, and the two words mean almighty. It, it, it is uh, a Greek word that basically is declaring God has all might, all power, all dominion. There are some that have some might and some power and some authority or some dominion, but God possesses all might and all power and so on. And so he is called the Almighty. And this particular Greek word here translated as omnipotent is Strong's number 3841. And it is translated as Almighty. If we go back to Revelation chapter 11... And uh, read verse 17. It says 
in that verse, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Again, at this point, at this junction in Revelation chapter 11, it is judgment day, and it is the time that the Lord Jesus becomes King of kings and Lord of lords because, again, he has defeated the enemy and he has taken his kingdom. And and therefore, it's a wonderful point in time to declare God's almighty nature. There was a rebellion that that raised up its ugly head in this world. It, it began with Satan and some fallen angels. And then it expanded and grew to include mankind created in the image of God. And, and so the rebellion was to be like God. Uh, these creatures, these created beings dared to attempt to usurp the authority of their creator and to take the kingdom. They tried to overthrow the kingdom of God. They tried to remove God from his rightful place on the throne. And and Satan did, by right of conquest, take the kingdoms of the world because they had been given to mankind made in the image of God. And so he ruled over the kingdoms. He ruled over the unsaved people of the earth. And it was all part of this uh, rebellion, the, this um, band of rebels that that shook their fist at their creator, at at God Himself, and and the rebellion continued for thousands of years. So practically, the whole history of the earth is a story of the rebellion of mankind. On one hand, of course. It's the redemptive story of God saving a people for himself uh, in reality. Yet the history of the world is one of rebellion against God. And finally at the end, after 13,000 years of history, Satan was loosed and his deadly wound was healed that he received at the cross. And he began to rule like never before over the nations and over the churches in a, a very great way. It appeared, it, it would seem to anyone looking at it at an outward position that, that perhaps Satan had won. Perhaps he was able to win in his rebellion over God. And, and yet God defeated him finally at the end put down the thousands and thousands of years long rebellion and put down Satan, deposed him from his seat in the temple, deposed him from ruling the nations and, and, and deposed his kingdom. Christ won the battle and won the war. And, and that's why it is a, such an appropriate moment to declare and to praise God and to sing Alleluia and the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The Almighty reigns 
And there's no question, um, once again, God is supreme. He, he is all powerful. You know, we read in 1st Chronicles 29, and this has always been true, but the, the rebellion of Satan, uh, actually gave God an opportunity to display his all-powerful nature. In First Chronicles 29, it says, beginning in verse 10, Wherefore, David blessed Jehovah before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Jehovah, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Jehovah, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Jehovah, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. What a beautiful declaration that God moved David to declare, to to speak here in First Chronicles 29. God is majestic and glorious and victorious and all-powerful, and he reignest over all. And... Uh, and yet there, uh, at that time in history, and for, again, thousands of years, there was the rebellion that God permitted. God could have squelched it. He could have put it down. He could have destroyed all the rebels uh, with uh, complete and utter destruction at, at any time. Uh, yet, for his own purposes, because he wanted to save a people for himself, he put up with the sinful rebellion of mankind and of Satan. God, um, as it says in Romans chapter 9, this probably explains it the best. It says in Romans 9, in verse 21 and following, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. So God, he made his power known through long-suffering patience, uh, uh, remember, he saved the people in the day of his power. The day of salvation was a demonstration of the power of God to save. Uh, yet, there there was again this open abomination, this open rebellion against God that the world was uh, flaunting year after year, year after year. As time would move on and, and the world continued to go its own way as though it were some sort of independent agent and were not accountable or subject to any creator or any God. 
and and God permitted it, willing to make his power known. And, of course, part of that was salvation because the the word of God is a two-edged sword and it cut to salvation and God did bring condemnation to the unsaved all through history, but there would come the day the official day of judgment, the day of the Lord's wrath, the day in which he will pour out his fury and show forth his his wrath and mighty power in another way against the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. And, and so God ended his salvation program on May 21, 2011, and soon will completely annihilate all those that never became saved. And and that's where we're living at uh, in time. That's our present situation. We're living on the earth in the day of God's judgment, in the day of his glorious power. And, and so all of us could uh, sing along with the great multitude, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And, and in verse 7 of Revelation 19, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Now the, um, the first part of this verse, be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, is connected to the second part, for or because the marriage of the Lamb is come. So God has saved the people for himself that he identifies as his bride and and now is the marriage or the wedding. Uh, it, it will take place at the time of the world's judgment. And we'll discuss that uh, in, a, in a little bit. But first, let's look at the language of let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. The Greek word translated as rejoice is Strong's number 21, and it points to great joy concerning God's salvation program. For instance, in Matthew chapter 5, in Matthew 5, in verses 11 and 12, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Now, we're, we're looking at the word, the English word rejoice in Revelation 19.7. But the Greek word translated as rejoice is not rejoice in Matthew 5.12, but it is the two words exceeding glad. That that's a translation of the same Greek word. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Now, when we look at this word, again, Strong's number 21, it comes from a word that means all leaping. When um, a lame man was healed in front of the beautiful gate of the temple, and then he stood up leaping and praising God. That was one of the words that is is part of this compound Greek word, uh, which literally would read all leap or all leaping. And 
And, of course, that lame man, when he was finally healed, was exceeding glad. And, and, and that's what leaping conveys. It does convey the idea of great gladness, exceeding gladness. And, and here God says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That is, when you are being treated in in the manner that the Lord Jesus Christ was treated, and when you are being treated in the same manner as the prophets, the true and faithful prophets of God have been treated, and, and they were, as Christ was despised and rejected of men, so too were those that brought his word. As God said to Samuel, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. And that's the nature of the world's reaction to the true word of God. And if we identify with that word, we're identifying with Christ, we can expect the same kind of reaction. And and that's what God's saying. And if if you're so closely identifying with his word that you are experiencing reviling and affliction for the word's sake and going through tribulation and, and people are despising you, beginning to turn um, from you and, and rejecting you and wanting to separate you from their company as a result, well then... Oh, well, th- then you start crying, and and then you hold your head down, and and you say, "Woe is me, uh, because the world doesn't love me, and and people don't love me anymore. People used to like me and love me. Oh, it's so terrible and awful." Did God say any of that? He didn't say that at all, did he? He didn't say, "Go um, get alone in the dark and and start crying about it." What did God say? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. That is, leap for joy. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That is, this means that you're on the right path. That you're treading the narrow way that leads to life. You're following the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is strong evidence that that God may have saved you. There's there's a a good possibility He saved you, and that's why you're identifying with the Word, and and therefore suffering as a result. Of course, we always have to be careful. You know, some people are the offense themselves. It's not the word of God that's the offense that, that others don't like, but but they personally are offensive. And and people can react to that as well. Well there's no um no uh thankfulness as as we read in first Peter about that. Uh if if we're personally offensive through our sins through our wrong doctrine and wrong understanding and the way we share the gospel, well, that's not what God's talking about. He's talking about someone who very humbly is is just simply aligned with the truth of the word of God 
And it's the truth that's despised and hated. It's the doctrine. We, ourselves, we want to be very nice and we're, we're attempting to be kind. We pray we might be gentle unto all men and, and not strive with people. And if we're, we're doing those things by God's grace and through His Spirit, if, if we are presenting ourselves humbly, gently, kindly, and yet we're, we're firmly holding on to the truth or the, the sound teaching, the sound doctrine of the Bible, and the, the world's rejection then uh, is of the word. It, it's for the word's sake. Well, then at that point, yes, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Don't be a little glad. Be exceeding glad. Uh, because this is, is a wonderful um, bit of evidence in our life. We, we can have varying pieces of evidence, but the opposition of the world that when when the world is um, so inclusive uh, and and embraces its own the world loves its own and and is uh, open up to all kinds of people and ways and religions and philosophies yet the world does not love the light of the true gospel it does not love the word of god that that uh, is rightly spoken or declared, or uh, or followed, and and therefore we can be thankful, and we can sing Hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise Yah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, and and thank the Lord that there is a a very good bit of evidence. Uh, through these experiences I've been having with the world, that perhaps God did a work of salvation in me. Well, let's um, also go to First Peter chapter one, First Peter one, and look at a verse that mentions um, the same word rejoicing in First Peter one verse five who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So here God, on one hand, notice verse 5 mentions salvation, and and then God mentions ye greatly rejoice. That's this same word that's in our verse in Revelation 19, translated exceeding glad in Matthew 5. And, and, and so it's in association with salvation. Ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That seems like a contradictory statement. How can ye greatly rejoice and be in heaviness? And verse 7 speaks of the trial of your faith, tried with fire. And we know that's exactly what God is doing at this point in time, putting all of his people through the fire and and trying our faith to see if it's genuine, 
Is it the faith of Christ, true faith, saving faith, which is Christ? Has, has Christ become our faith? And, and has he worked a work of salvation in us? Or are we, or is our faith just a profession, a belief in our mind that's not truly saving faith because Christ did not perform the work of saving us? at the foundation of the world, and that's the only saving faith there is. And so uh, this is the test. This is the time of trial to see what is our foundation, what is our life truly built upon. Are we built upon that rock, or is it a foundation of sand? And and this is going to reveal it, and so it can be a struggle we're, we're not going to be, um, as it says in Hebrews 12, concerning chastisement, which God also relates to this period of time. It's grievous and not joyous. So outwardly, we're, you know, God isn't expecting people to walk around with a big smile on their face all the time and to be constantly laughing and giggling. No, the re- true rejoicing and being exceeding glad is not necessarily revealed that way. It's something within. It's something that God has done in soul, in spirit. He's given us a new heart and a new spirit. And and I, I, the true believer knows exactly this distinction when perhaps there there is grief and when there is trials and tribulation and things are are a struggle yet there there is that wonderful thought and and the child of god thinks well thank god that god had mercy upon me that he saved me that he's granted me eternal life thank god this is not forever but there is uh, in eternity to come, and that is my expectation, and 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 so that exceeding gladness is there at all times. We are thankful for what God has done, although of course um, it it doesn't always work out in the physical realm. Thanks for joining us for E Bible Fellowship's evening Bible studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.